This is Louise from UCLA Radio, and you're listening to The Menu. Good afternoon. You're listening to The Menu on UCLA Radio, a radio show and podcast about LA's wonderful food and drink culture and the people who make it special. I'm your host, Belize. And I'm Henry. Right now, the food world has been turned upside down by COVID-19. So we're bringing you stories of chefs, owners, and anyone involved in the LA drink and culinary scene who is doing their part to stay open or serve their community during this time of crisis. Today, we're joined by Catherine Coker, the wine director of Esther's Wine Bar in Santa Monica. Thank you very much for joining us today. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. So my first question is about Esther's and um, what you do at Esther's. So could you give us a brief introduction to the bar and what you do? Yeah, so I'll talk to you about what Esther's was up until (laughs) uh, five weeks ago. But um, so Esther's is kind of my baby. Um, I'm the wine director for the Rustic Canyon family of restaurants, but um, I partnered with our CEO, Josh Loeb, and um, his wife, Zoe Nathan, to open Esther's Wine Shop and Bar uh, in 2015, so five years ago. And it is... uh, full bar and really full restaurant. We have um, a horseshoe bar in the middle and then we have little lounge tables inside. We have a full patio. And so when we're running at full capacity, we're serving liquor, we're serving amazing wines, we're serving beer, and then we're serving cheese and charcuterie, small plates, um, the best grilled cheese ever. And we have a wine shop as well. So anything that you like that you drink here, you can take home to go, or you can just come in and shop for wine or shop for the lavender almonds that you love eating while you were here. Um, Things have changed a little bit in the last five weeks, and we are really leaning heavily on the retail, obviously, because we can't have people in the dine-in. So now we're Esther's retail shops. But that's fun too, which is great. And so um, my job is overseeing everything and then curating the wines as well. So how did you design your wine program? How did you curate that in the first place? Well, um, each restaurant in, within our restaurant group kind of has a different focus where the wine really matches what the menu is. Or at Rustic Canyon, it's kind of about like, classic California and classic old world regions. So Esther's for me was just to be a place to play, to be a place to bring in whatever fun things I wanted to. And I lean old world um, in my personal taste. I love French wine. I love Italian wine. So our lists are really heavy in those. I love new, smaller California producers. Um, I love things from small boutique producers Um, so it's kind of an eclectic mix, but the baseline for all of it is that everybody is a small producer and all the vineyards, um, are chemical free. And I really try and focus on farmers that are doing even more than that. Organic, biodynamic, regenerative, dry farming, people that have great farming. So that's, that's kind of the in of it, but the list is constantly changing. Um, And to talk a bit more about wine, um, how does, how do you know the difference between a wine to age and a wine to drink? That's a good question. Um, I think you kind of have to rely on 
the wisdom of uh, wine professionals for that. Um, lots of wine that is less expensive. Lots of wine. Majority of wine is meant to be drunk now. Um, there are wines from certain regions uh, that we just know um, have ageability. And most of that comes down to structure. So red wines that have tannin and red wines that have a lot of complexity are great for aging. White wines with residual sugar um, and white wines with uh, complexity and um, some more structure can age as well. That's like just the basics. But if you, it's easier if you look at like regions. So Barolo, Nebbiolo is the great variety there. Super tannic red variety ages really well. Um, Bordeaux. Bordeaux is a region in France, mostly Merlot and Cabernet Sauvignon with some other red grape varieties. Those wines age really well because they're really tannic reds. I so feel like I did not answer that well. <laughs> it's so complex. It's hard. Anyway, yeah. call your professional. And also, like, if you spend some money on it, maybe think about selling it. And, you know, mm. if it costs less than $50, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your takeout and delivery options during this COVID-19 pandemic? Yeah, so our food menu is sort of pared down. We have like easy um, lunch items, uh, some of our salads that have sold really well throughout the years, um, some sandwiches. And then we have these great cheese and charcuterie platters that are awesome for happy hour or something like an elevated experience at home when you don't want to like just have another bowl of spaghetti. You could have a uh, cheese and charcuterie platter, glass of wine, something to make you feel like a little bit more elevated. Um, and those are packaged really pretty. And then we have our lavender almonds, our curry cashews, lots of the snacks that we have in the restaurant. And those are to go as well. And then our wine, our wine is, um, sorry, that's, uh, <laughs> so I'm to order wine. <laughs> um, our wine is, you know, we, we have our list online, but it, we don't have like a website where you can pick individual wines. So really mostly what we're doing is posting stuff on Instagram um, or posting or sending things out to our newsletter. And then people will call in, talk to us about something they saw and they want to get or what they really love. And then we're curating packages for them or just, you know, two wines or whatever they want. Um, and we're doing 25% off all our wines, which is, people are excited about that. It's fun. Um, and I love it cause I like to talk to people on the phone. Well, not on the phone. I like to talk to people about wine, which is what I get to do all the time now on the phone. <laughs> um, that's amazing. And you also have curated packages as well, right? Could you yes. tell us a bit more about those as well? Yeah, so every week we're coming out with new packages. They're either packages of just wine or packages of wine and some snacks and food. Um, the idea is really because we don't have this website where you can just pick and choose exactly what wines you want, 
to give people a fun selection um, of wines that they can just fit the mood of whatever's going on. So for example, when it was rainy last week, I was like, oh, let's have a rainy day red pack. And people, that was like the mood that people were in, you know, it was rainy, they were inside, they want hearty big reds, people got the rainy day red pack. Or this past week, it's been like warmer and nice, let's do a chilled red pack. People are so into chilled reds right now. That's kind of like, I'm sort of seeing like, what's the mood right now? And like, let's put a pack up about that just to kind of like inspire people to drink wine. <laughs> um, and then we have these quarantine packs too, which is sort of like a mix of everything. Some light reds, heavy reds, light whites, heavier whites, sparkling, like it's just a sort of mix of everything. Um, you know, if you just want to like call once a week, get a quarantine pack, hopefully that should last you the week. And you have a little bit of everything. That's great. Do you need to answer these? We don't want you to lose any business. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have someone here helping. Okay. Me. Um, <laughs> okay, good. Our, um, yeah, I've got this super cool old cordless oh. phone. Oh. <laughs> nice. It's it's very fun to talk on a real phone, you know. <laughs> um, during this time, have you noticed any sort of pattern of certain wines that people want more of or is it everything um yeah like i said the chilled reds people are so into chilled reds right now um reds in general it was like the it was funny though it's changed like the first two weeks of this everybody wanted like big cozy reds they just wanted like comfort and then now it's like nicer out people are like okay i'm getting into my new lifestyle i want a chilled red great <laughs> and then for whites I'm sorry, I had no idea that people love Sauvignon Blanc as much as they do. I just did not anticipate it. But like every person wants Sauvignon Blanc. So we just have all different Sauvignon Blancs and Sauvignon Blanc substitutes like, oh, you like Sauvignon Blanc? This is in that world. We have a ton of wines like that. I, I can't keep them in stock. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... What's it like being part of the Rustic Canyon group that's doing so much during this pandemic? I mean, that, that part is awesome because I feel like we have each other as support, even if we're not seeing each other. Um, we do have a team that, that works for the whole group that connects us and so-and-so's doing this. Maybe you could try this. Like people can just share ideas, which is really helpful. And also just knowing um, that your friends are there going through it in their own way has been so helpful because, you know, I, I haven't been in touch with as much, you know, friends working for other restaurants just because I feel like I have no time just so, you know, in trying to create this new business in a sense. Um, but at least we have our little network here and um, that's been such a comfort really. Mm -hmm. uh, since this, you know, since five weeks ago, how has um, your role as the wine director changed in your daily day-to-day -day tasks? Well, instead of doing like 
big picture thinking and what events is Esther's going to host next month and what, um, where's the future of our wine list and how, how do I'm going to put on, like I had been planning to put on this panel about regenerative farming, which I am going to do next year now. Um, just a lot more big picture thinking. And now I'm like spending all my time on the phone with people <laughs> selling wine. And frankly, that part like is awesome. I love talking to people about wine. So the fact that I spend more time talking to people about wine and less time on my computer is, that's pretty great. Um, personally, it's extremely challenging for my family because my husband is home with our three-year-old and 18-month-old. So um, that's a lot because I'm at work all the time. And so he is, I'm, thank you, honey. You know, he's doing Aww. it. <laughs> but professionally, you know, it's fun. And um, did you, um, I'm sorry. <clears throat> okay, I'm back. Um, <laughs> Did you do go to or pick up orders before? How are you finding this transition to delivery only system? Well, the thing that I'm glad about is that we did, we were on the apps before this. We were on Postmates, Uber Eats, DoorDash, Caviar. So that transition wasn't that hard because we, we were already on the apps. Um, the transition that's different is just not having people shop in the store, doing everything verbally or over email or over the phone, um, and then having our core staff deliver every day. So we do free same-day delivery. Um, and people really like that, which is great. Um, it's and so far it's been working out with our, our, this tiny staff that we have right now being able to do that. Um, and it's, it, it, you know, it's different for wine. It's not like when you create a beautiful plate of pasta, then you have to put it in like the right kind of to go dish. And then you end up at your house and you're like, I don't know, does that look right? But with a bottle of wine, it's, it's a easier, it's a bottle of wine, you know, it's going to, it's going to look just fine in that bag. Um, and our salads are fine and the sandwiches are fine. Um, so I, I do feel lucky in that way and that we haven't had to reinvent packaging. Um, but I have a lot of ideas about how we could do more and do things better and make the Esther's experience carry over more to people's homes. And I hope that that's what we'll spend our time getting better at. What do you see as your primary responsibilities um, during this time? Is it rent, you know, paying employees, staying open? What, what are you prioritizing right now? Number one is keeping the business afloat. Number one. Um, because if the business is not afloat, there will be no jobs for people to come back to. There will be no job for me, there will be nothing. So whatever we have to do to keep the business alive right now, that's the number one thing. Um, and that just means paying expenses that are not flexible, like paying those basic expenses, paying rent, and then, um, you know, 
being able to pay the people that are here to make it work every day. Um, that's it. I, you know, if we do what, how just surviving this and being, being able to reopen fully as a business at some point, that'll be, a, that's the goal. That's the win. Yeah. And about that, um, five weeks ago, Esther's was that place where I could, you know, come and do some work, maybe drink some wine with friends in the afternoon or have like a casual cozy dinner. Um, it, it has a very like cozy, homey vibe. And so cozy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I miss it. <laughs> um, and do you think after this uh, COVID situation, do you think that's going to change? Because, you know, going back to that is your goal right now. But do you think that it's going to change at some point and there's going to be a new system of, you know, serving or eating out? Sure. I mean, I think there's going to be a couple things. I think there's going to be this situation we have now. And then I think there's going to be a medium phase, uh, which will be kind of a social distancing and, uh, diminished uh, or, you know, not serving as many people at the same time, um, sort of a halfway thing, kind of what we were doing before we went into full lockdown. Um, and, and Esther's is not, is, is okay set up for that just because we have, our tables are already far apart. Um, we can make them, we can, put out just very few bar seats. I envision us just kind of like really making sure that each section is separate. And I think that we'll be able to do that. Um, and then we may end up switching back to this. I don't know. I think it'll be kind of toggling back and forth until there's a vaccine. So uh, mm -hmm. we got to survive all that. Um, so I, I assume you uh, provided uh, sampling, right? before this whole thing in person is that correct like if people wanted to oh taste uh, yeah tasting. yeah so um how how do you how are you describing to people over the phone certain wines let maybe you know i'm a pretty i'm a wine newbie so i i i don't really know um jargon how are you sort of adapting to you know not being able to actually give people their wine say hey here taste this how on the phone how do you describe yeah um, it is wine? definitely a bit of a leap for people, you know, and some, so sometimes I have to get sort of start the conversation like, okay, you're looking for red. Tell me what you like. Okay. Tell me what you don't like. Can you give me an example of something you liked? Um, and we sort of get to the, Oh, I want something that's not tart. Okay. All right. That's helpful. Like, do you like, and cause sometimes people, really don't know what they want. So I have to sort of tease it out of them. Um, but I have found that people are a little more willing to experiment in that sense. They're like, okay, I, I can't taste it. So here's, I like dry reds. I tend to like Italian. I think I like earthy, but I don't know what that means. So I give them kind of a variety within that range. And, um, you know, tell them to call me. <laughs> what did you <laughs> yeah. like? What did you not like? And people have ah. been so great about doing that. Okay. You gave me these six bottles last week. I loved these two. I liked all the wines, but these two were amazing. And then it was like, great. 
I'm getting to know you. Now we can go on. Like, and because I'm talking on the phone to people like Belize, I remember chatting with you a few weeks ago. It's helpful because I'm like, oh, yes, I remember them, you know. Yeah. You have a profile on people, like your little drawer, <laughs> your file drawer, like, oh, this person, they ordered this, they like this. They... <laughs> um, <laughs> no. No, but, but we can easily look up what somebody yeah. got last time, which mm-hmm. is helpful. Um, I, I do have a very good memory, so a lot of the times I will remember, um, but, I, but I will not promise that because <laughs> <laughs> that will make someone feel bad if I don't. So. <laughs> but it is pretty good. Yeah. Even I was a little stressful when I called at first because I like called the phone and I was like, I don't know how to order wine from the phone. Like, what do I say? What do I want? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, some people have been, someone even said that yesterday and I said, well, you can come to our door if you want to actually see the bottles, you know, wear a mask, come to the door and I'll pull wines and put them out for you. And so you can look at the bottles and some people have a better experience shopping that way. So that's, mm-hmm. that's fine too. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's kind of a great education for every person because to be able to talk about what you like is so huge. You're just going to be so much happier when you're mm-hmm. able to describe what you like about wine and someone understands you, you're just going to be, you're going to be speaking the language. You're going to be getting more of that. So it's a great education for everyone. Yeah, exactly. Um, and speaking of that, how does someone know more about wine? Mm, well, one good place to start, personal plug for my podcast, That's right. um, <laughs> which is called The Long Finish, and it's out every Tuesday. I do it with my husband. Um, we talk about putting our kids to bed and then what wine we're opening that night, mm-hmm. and each week has like a different theme. Um, so last week was Syrah, the week before was Sauvignon Blanc. Sometimes we just talk about cozy reds. Um, we recorded last night. We talked about, uh, well, I won't tell you it's coming up this week. (laughs) Um, but so that's a fun thing and it's called the long finish. It's on, um, wherever you get podcasts. Another thing to do is, um, drink wine try new wines. And what I did when I was starting out learning about wine, because I bought this big book called the wine Bible, which is a fantastic book. And so I have it. (laughs) I've been reading it. (laughs) That's perfect. Yeah. Now, For me, when I, someone, my first restaurant job, someone gave me that book and I was like, Oh God, it just collected dust next to my bed (laughs) for five years. So what I would do is I would say, okay, I got a bottle of wine. I got a bottle of Sancerre. I'm going to open the book and read the pages on Sancerre. Now I'm going to Google and look at the pictures of Sancerre. And now I'm going to drink my wine. And for me, that was fun because it was like, I'm reading about it. I'm looking at the pictures. Now I'm drinking it. It's like, okay, I got it. I got it. Uh, Look at the map where it is. That made it fun for me. And so mm-hmm. I think learning about wine should be fun. And it doesn't have to start from A to Z. There is no A to Z. Just start wherever you want with whatever wine you happen to have with you right now. Yeah, that's what we mean right now on Google all the time. Just looking at producers, the maps, and whatnot. Um, because it is enjoyable. And like, I feel like once you know what you like, 
and you drink more of it, you kind of develop that memory and that taste for it. So it exactly. becomes even more enjoyable. That's it. It, it. You you create like a little library in mm -hmm. terms of your your tasting and your memory. And so you're able to recognize things and those become comfortable to you. And, and then also you want to try new stuff too. Cause you're like, okay, I know that something else. Yeah. Um, maybe we should ask this at the beginning, but uh, can you take us through how you developed your interest in wine into doing it as a profession? Sure. Well, so I, um, out of school, moved to New York and uh, was trying to be an actor. And so mom, I got a job at a restaurant and I didn't know what I was doing and I was terrible, but I knew that the people getting the best shifts were learning about wine. And so, as I said to you before, someone gifted me this book, the wine Bible. Um, and I just could not read that, but someone told me the story of uh, a wine Domaine Tampier and the story of the producer and the story of that wine. And I was hooked. I was an English major in college. I love reading. I love traveling. And so the connection of this bottle, something to open at your table, being having the story behind it and these people and this place just connected to me. So when I moved, then I moved um, to Los Angeles in 2006 and started working in a restaurant. I started working at Rustic Canyon. I was a server right when it opened and we would um, have winemakers come visit and I would drive up to Santa Barbara and visit vineyards and visit wineries. And I was just hooked, read everything, taught myself like doing what we just talked about, you know, like reading a section of the book, drinking the wine, looking at the pictures in a very disorganized way and eventually learn stuff. Um, then I was like, well, okay, let me take the test. So I took the court of masters um, first and second level. And I said to my boss, CEO of the Rustic Canyon group, we only had Rustic Canyon at the time. I said, please let me take over the wine list. He's like, do you know anything about wine? I was like, yes, I do. Please. And, um, so he sat with me for three months and after that he said, okay, you can do it. And then I opened Milo and Olive and did the list there. I opened Casilla and did the list there. Then we opened Esters and then I did the opening list for Tallulah's and then Birdie G's. So it just sort of, it's been a long time with this family, but cool. that's kind of the little story. Amazing. And speaking of um, Master Court of Sommeliers, do you find it um, helpful to get a certification if, you know, one wants to work in the wine industry? I think it's helpful because if it is what motivates you to study and know the classics and understand, have a good understanding of wine. So what that says to me as an employer is, oh, this person really took the time to study and they know the basics and I can put them on the floor and they can talk to people about the basics of wine, even if they don't know our wines. So that's helpful. Now, if you can do that without getting a certification, that's fantastic. It's just about having a conversation with your employer about mm -hmm. the fact that you can do that. I don't think you need it. It just makes it a little bit easier to know that you have the base knowledge. 
Okay. Are you considering getting Napoles? Yes, I actually am. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. I mean, I say go for it. Okay. And we have time during quarantine, so. <laughs> you have time during quarantine. So I might actually do that. Yeah. I actually want to do what you do in the future. So. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's very fun to talk about wine. It is. I was curious what you um, thought about how um, bars and bartenders or um, people who are serving drinks are affected differently um, during COVID than, say, restaurants. I know you serve food, but I was just curious what you thought. Bars? Yeah, bars and um, uh, drink um, venues. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's super hard because it, to to be able to give people cocktails um, or yeah, I mean, you just can't do it's that's super hard. Like to go, I mean, and they have passed laws now where you can like restaurants can do that. They can put like a bottled cocktail, a, a, put put a cocktail in a bottle and sell that, which is great. It's just such a different experience than sitting at a bar and watching someone create a cocktail for you. That's such, that's such an experience. Um, so I'd say it's very, very different. And, and I think it's going to look really different. Our, our city's going to look really different after this. I don't know how. Yeah. Um, and what steps have you been taking um, to make sure that you're preventing the spread of COVID in your restaurant? Well, you saw my mask. We wear masks. We wear gloves. Um, we are, there's only three of us here at a time, often two, sometimes one. Um, we're very far apart from each other. So we practice social distancing in our space. And then we ask customers who come to the door to wear a mask. Um, if they don't wear a mask, we ask them to step outside, give us a call, we take care of the order, and then we place it um, just in the lobby for them to collect. Most of our customers are calling for curbside pickup or delivery, so it's easy. They can just call us when they're outside, they open their trunk, we put the wine in, we come back inside. So it's like very, very safe, mm -hmm. very safe to maintain um, social distancing with each other and with customers as well. Wine is, I'm sure, is, it's, it's, it's different in that it's bottled. It's not, you know, prepared. You guys don't have to touch it. I'm sure that makes um, customers pretty comfortable. That for sure. And our kitchen is, you know, Jessica's super safe. She's wearing a mask. She's wearing gloves all the time. Um, and she's, when, when we're packaging food to go, we make sure that we're using tape and stickers to seal everything so that nothing, so that if a seal is broken by a delivery driver or in transit, a customer would really know that. Um, so to make it so obvious of how it was packaged. Do you want to ask about who, who, who edits this? I Henry do. or Belize? It's a big job. He's really good at it. Really fast. Yeah. Actually, I awesome. enjoy doing it. It's fun for me. <laughs> That's awesome. My husband yeah. complains about editing ours. <laughs> our podcast. So I'll tell him to call you. 
Yeah, of course. Um, have it help out. <laughs> How do you find the response from your community with, you know, all the precautions that you're taking and all the services that you've been doing so far? I think for the most part, people have just been grateful that we're still open, that they have, they have a place to get wine, they have a place to get some elevated snacks, they have a place to get lunch. Um, people are just really grateful because a lot of places are, are not able to be open at this time. Um, and then so many of our wonderful, wonderful regulars just continue to call, continue to support us every week or every other week and it's so it's so clear like they just want us to be here when this is all over and i we, i feel them and i am so so grateful we have a really great community uh regulars are i'm sure so important now more than more than ever more now. than ever <laughs> we because uh, their your choice matters so much mm -hmm. Yeah, there was, um, I read a piece, uh, I've gone to this a lot recently, but um, Evan Kleiman in the LA Times a few months ago said that um, I, she, a reason she believes a lot of restaurants may um, come to close soon is that they lack sort of neighborhood or, or you know, regulars coming in. So um, I think if, you know, if you have that, that's extremely valuable right now and, and possibly rare. I agree. You know, the, the, the benefit that we have too is because we already were a shop. Um, we already had shipping set up. We we're already able to serve people that don't live nearby. I have some customers that are in our wine club in San Francisco and um, in some other areas. And so that's been great too, because community that doesn't even live in Los Angeles is able to support, you know, I can send a case of wine up to my friend in San Francisco. It's great. Yeah. And before we close, before we close out the interview, um, what are some of your recommendations for people who want to do what you do in the future? Hmm. Okay. Obviously, you got to just learn everything you possibly can about wine and what and figure out how you learn. So, if that's by going to classes in the future or online, I know there are classes. If that is just by your kind of own way of like I was telling you before, pick a bottle, read that chapter, you know, learn that map, however you learn, figure that out and just like go all in and make the time. When I was really, really studying, then I was getting up early and studying half an hour or an hour every morning and just make it part of your day. That's number one. Number two, once this is kind of this time period is behind us, which it will be someday, go work for somewhere that's going to help you learn about wine a great restaurant a great wine shop a great wine bar somewhere that has an interesting list where you can learn and it doesn't matter if you're a server or if you're a sommelier or if you're a manager if you're around and selling new great wines you will learn something 
um, especially if you can find a place where you can really be there for a longer period of time and invest in that company and that company invests in you, it's a great way to do it too because then you can grow with them. Um, just keep learning. Drinking, that's the best. <laughs> um, can you uh, reiterate for listeners one last time how they can support you during this COVID crisis? Yes, you can email hello at estherswineshop.com. You can call me, 310-899-6900. You can DM us. Um, we are open Tuesday through Sunday, 12 to 4, and we do curbside pickup. We do free same-day delivery before, if you call before 2, um, with minimum purchase. And we ship. So there are so many different ways to get wine and food. And um, I'm here. I got my old school cordless phone. I'm going to answer your call and um, we can talk about wine. Thank you so hey. much, Catherine. Yeah. Thank you guys. That was really fun. Yeah. Very fun. Thank you. You just listened to our interview with Catherine Coker, the wine director of Esther's Wine Shop and Bar in Santa Monica. Thank you for tuning into the menu. Tune in later. <laughs>